from John 15, 12 through 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. This is the word of the Lord. friends. The Lord be with you. Hi, my name is Troy, and I am honored to be one of our co-lead pastors here. And uh, thanks for joining us. We're in week three of this five-week series called Abide. And uh, it's a series where we're trying to actually be as practical as we can, asking the question, what are some ways of being in the world that are pathways for us uh, to achieve greater intimacy with God? How do we stay connected to the vine? How do we abide as Jesus encouraged and invited us in the book of John? Um, and so last week, I uh, encouraged and put before us prayer as a pathway to connection with God. In the first week, Ashley talked about scripture as a pathway. And today, um, we're going to talk about something earthy, something horizontal. I'm going to talk about something that uh, honestly may be a little bit unique for a Sunday morning. I want to talk about friendship. Friendship as a pathway to abiding in Jesus. But before I do that, if you please pull out your mobile telephone device. 
Um, if, you, if you were already scrolling around a little bit, you probably saw that there is a bit of a poll here. Here's what I want to do today. I want to invite you on this device, whether you're here in person, friends at home, online, particularly if you're watching in real time, we're going to take a poll. And we're going to, um, uh, you're going to see, if you scroll not too far down, there should be eight songs. And the invitation is for you to choose your favorite song about friendship. Make sense? What we're going to discover here, hopefully in about 35 to 60 seconds, is what is the definitive song about friendship from Mars Hill, Granville? We're going to take the poll again tonight in Grand Rapids and see what it is that we discover. Now, no write-in votes allowed. Sorry, you have to submit to my choices that I've submitted before you. I know that I didn't satisfy everything, but here was a bit of a representative poll. And um, I'm eager to see, first of all, what boos show up, because we'll find out results here in a minute when we close it. I guess I should vote. Um, and here's one other thing for you. Uh, maybe this unfairly influences the voting. Whichever receives the most votes in the morning and in the evening, next week there's going to be a kind of special performance that is going to be on offer. Sometime in the next seven days, something will be offered to the world um, uh, based on that. Okay, so I should vote. This is my vote. Confirm vote. Yes. Everybody getting there? I'm going to, oh my goodness, cannot wait for you to see this. Great, we're going to give you eight seconds to wrap it up. Eight seconds. I was going to sing a little bit of each one of those, but decided not to. Particularly, I wanted to sing Houdini's Offering Friends. Don't know if uh, anyone in this room remembers that wonderful hip-hop duo from the late 80s. Great. Uh, let's close the voting officially. And um, I, I'm just biding time here so that our tech team can actually give some results to us. Uh, yes, ma'am. Very good. Welcome to Marshall Bible Church. They said they were lost. Uh, yes, but that, was all, but that was like 10 minutes ago that we were, were, were at that spot. You know what? This is really not democracy at work. This is, so nothing is really at stake. Um, no problem. I can help you later, though. Figure that out. There are good things on that app besides this kind of thing. Okay. Where, are, we, are we close over there, everybody? Uh, no. I guess I should have been singing some of the songs in order to make up some of the time. Hmm. Any good football games this weekend? Um, great. We're going to be in this uh, series for another two weeks. We're going to be in waiting for this poll for another three weeks. So um, I will show you this at the beginning of Advent. We'll eventually get there and show that to you. This is a very inexact thing. And, and frankly, I'm a Luddite. I don't understand how technology works generally. So when we were talking about this this week, I didn't even know if it was a possibility. So kudos to Dan and to Nick and to Holly for helping to do that. Hey, what do you know? Look at that. Lean on Me by Bill Withers as the definitive song for Marshall Bible Church as it relates to friendship. That is not a bad choice, boys and girls. I am with my people. 
Not my vote, but I definitely support that. Thank you very much. So keep your eyes in, what does Houdini get? Three. Wow, only three. And that's what friends are for with four. Very good. I cannot wait to give you the results of this evening and then keep watch for something special in the next couple of days. Friendship is what we're going to talk about today. Friendship is so full of joy, so full of wonder that humans throughout all of history have tried to capture it, have tried to talk about it. Not just in good, like, TV show theme songs either. Lots of good art and literature. Um, I'm going to give you a quick drive-by. The Epic of Gilgamesh, often called the world's oldest story, centers around friendship. Poets of ancient philosophy celebrated this. Epicurus, Cicero, Plato, Aristotle. It was Aristotle in his normal optimism who said this quote, without friends, no one would choose to live though he had all other goods. We move into other times, other cultures. Every poet in every culture seems to talk about friendship. Du Fu and Li Bo, 700s China, prolific in poems about friendship. We move to Keats and Byron and Shelley, the second generation of romantic poets, talking about friendship all over the place. Ezra Pound, T.S. Eliot, Stevens, Auden in the early 20th century. Some women have passionately written about friendship. Browning, Dickinson, Angelou, Oliver. All over the place, we find friendship being celebrated and elevated. But there is one environment in which friendship seems to be getting very little press. And that has been the church. This is painting a little bit of a broad brush, but for most of the church's history, it's been very narrow in its conversation about friendship. Yes, sure, we have David and Jonathan. We've got Ruth and Naomi. We have Elijah and Elisha. But for the most part, the church has celebrated and elevated three relational categories. A person and God, a person and the church, and marriage. And what that has done over a bunch of years is to marginalize single, celibate, and widowed people. And inadvertently, what the church has done by being silent, by not celebrating, by not elevating, by not teaching about friendship, is that it has isolated relational intimacy to marriage and to marriage alone. And over time, the church, the capital C church, has emphasized loneliness and isolation of a really significant portion of the body of Christ. I was single a long time as part of the church and experienced this very thing. I think the church has an opportunity and frankly a responsibility to weigh into the conversation about friendship. And I would say that the urgency for the conversation is really high. There, were, there was a, a survey that came out in May of 2021, just a couple of months ago, an American Perspectives survey, and the survey focused on friendship. 
And I want to give you a couple of highlights. Frankly, these are lowlights of the survey because I think it highlights, it emphasizes for us what I think is a real friendship crisis in America. A couple of things. First, 59% of Americans claim that they have a best friend. It doesn't look so bad. The last time that the survey was conducted in 1990, that number was 75%. 13% of Americans claim that they have 10 or more more close friends that they can count on. In 1990, it was 33%. It was a third of the country that said that, dropping 49% of Americans report that they have only three or fewer close friends. Half of the country. That was 27% of the country 30 years ago. Finally and sadly, 12% of Americans claim they have no close friends. Zero. Zero close friends. In 1990, that number was 3%. What that practically means is this. In this room, 36 people could be living a life that they consider to have zero close friends. It's a crisis. Thanks, social media, for keeping us so connected and liked, huh? These numbers, they point to a real relational crisis, trends going in a bad direction over these past 30 years. And it makes me wonder, does the church, does the Bible have anything to contribute to this conversation? Does the church and the Bible have anything to say about friendship? Does the church and the Bible consider friendship important? We didn't plan this, but tonight in our middle school and high school ministries, guess what they're talking about? Friendship. But do adults ever talk about that? Do adults in the church ever talk about friendship? Think back on your experience in churches. Can you think of many, if any, sermons that were actually about friendship? Not tangentially, but the focus was on friendship. Can you think of many, if any? Now, like every sermon, this topic of friendship, it's, it's way too big to exhaustively cover in 20-ish minutes. And I've, I should probably admit this to you as well, that I'm, I'm in a complicated season as it relates to friendship. Maybe it's age, maybe it's new dadism. It's a whole slew of things. But over the past three to five years, friendship has really shifted for me. I've had friendships that have just gone away. They've dissolved, and I can't put my finger on what's going on with that. I've had friendships that have stuttered along, feeling like they gained no traction. I've had some friendships where we tried really hard to get something up and running, but then we just never got back in touch. I'm in a weird sort of spot personally as it relates to friendship. So this is a It's a weird thing to even be talking about, but I want to tell you that I find a lot of encouragement in the life and the words of Jesus here in John 15. If you want to follow along in one of the Shed Bibles, we'll be on page 995 this morning. 
as Susie read for us a couple of explicit verses that I think answer the question, does the Bible consider friendship important? Notice in the verses that we heard that when Jesus is teaching the disciples about the greatest expression of love, that he uses the category of friendship. Have you thought about that? He uses friendship as the category to express love. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then Jesus goes on to call the disciples his friends, further elevating this relational category. He didn't call them brothers. He didn't call them co-followers of God. He didn't refer to them as his squad. These are his friends. And then the verses that lead up to these ones here, starting in, uh, 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 in verse 12 that we're at, th- there's laid out for us a kind of progression. I'm going to draw your attention to a progression because it looks to me like the disciples are being invited to be swept up into a kind of relational jet stream. Back up a little bit if you've got the Bible open to verse 9. Um, it'll be on the screen if you don't have it. Uh, verse 9 begins this way. As the Father has loved me, these are the words of Jesus, so have I loved you. And so now remain in my love. If you keep my command, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And then verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Do you see the progression? Let me point it out for you. It begins this way, the father loves Jesus. And Jesus loves the disciples. And the disciples are to love one another. Do you see the movement? The progression is encouraging the disciples to embody what Jesus does. The disciples, they're recipients of this divine flow of love. And so his disciples, friends, you and I, we're charged with keeping that divine flow moving. We're a part of this progression. And so... As we keep going down, this commitment to keeping this moving via friendship, this is passed along to us as well. I think Simone Weil was right. She was a French philosopher. I think she was right when she said this, that in friendship, we see an image of the original and perfect friendship that belongs to the Trinity and is the very essence of God. Friendship as the very essence of of God, a picture. If we want to be more like God, friendship is an actual route. It's a viable pathway to become more like God. So let's turn our attention here. What can we learn about friendship from Jesus in these couple of verses? I'm gonna highlight three aspects of friendship and I wanna say that these function more like, um, like descriptions than they are like prescriptions. The more describing what friendship is like and less telling you what to do. They are very instructive, but we must remember, none of us, none of us will experience perfect friendship in this life. It's almost like Jesus' teaching here is a point on the horizon that we're trying to step toward. It's something we're moving toward, knowing that we, we will never 
fully realize it. So, just like much of the life of Jesus, his teaching about friendship carries this strong theme of generosity. So I'm going to talk about friendship underneath the banner of generosity in three expressions of that. Okay. So as we heard in a verse that many people, even those outside of the Christian faith are familiar with, laying down one's life is the first expression of generosity that we find in friendship. This is the ultimate act. It's an unequaled illustration of love for another with Jesus as the sublime demonstration. Now, I'm guessing most of us will never be called on to literally die for another person. There are probably not a lot of friendship moments that are going to demand you give up your life. However, There are so many opportunities for self-denial that leads to life in another person. We might call these little deaths. There are loads of little death opportunities for all of us. Think about giving up that protected and limited free time. Imagine sacrificing sleep to be present with someone. It's a little death. Allowing your schedule to be interrupted or maybe even completely ruined to make space for someone. Putting aside your own agenda to respond to the needs and the desires of the other. Notice that I'm telling you about my own little deaths. These are the kinds of self-denials that potentially lead to life in another. How willing are you to lay down control for the sake of a friend? Now, one of the things I should stress as it relates to friendship always, true friendship always involves mutuality. Mutuality. It's a give and take reality. So it's one of the ways that true friendship mirrors the Trinity is this way, is by mutuality, is by reciprocity. So do your friendships, do they involve exchange? Do they strive for a kind of equality? Mutual sacrifice should be a defining characteristic of friendship. Does one party always take and never give? Mutual sacrifice should be a characteristic. Otherwise, there's likely a kind of one-sided transactional thing going on that isn't a mirror of the perfect friendship we find in the Trinity. Lots of people love and know the verse John 3.16. Fewer people show up to football games with 1 John 3.16 spray-painted on a bedsheet. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. There's the mutuality. There is the exchange. Friends, do your friendships prominently feature efforts of self-denial, looking to bring life to the other. Second aspect I want to highlight is this. I'm just calling it a change in category. Notice that in verse 15, Jesus says this, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. 
the relationship between the disciples and Jesus evolved over time, just like all healthy relationships do. And what we find in this verse is that Jesus is highlighting an increase, a depth of intimacy with his relationship with the disciples. Here's an image that hangs in our house. It's a copy of a Coptic icon from the seventh century. And it's meant to capture this very phrase where Jesus says to the disciples, I call you my friends. It's a piece that's devotionally been meaningful to people for centuries, since since the 800s. And we have it in our house to remind ourselves that this is a space where we want categories to be expanded. We want more people to be underneath this banner and umbrella of friendship. I wonder two things as it relates to our friendships. First, are your friendships dynamic? Do your friendships have room for both parties to grow and to change? Is your relationship at risk if one person stretches into new directions? How much of your friendship is dependent on certain roles being protected? This thing works if you're this and I'm this. We need to adhere to these particular roles. Is, is there a risk of everything falling apart if one person shifts a little bit? Second consideration, is there someone in your life that you could rename? I'm thinking about people that we would consider former friends, but they, they fall under a different category now, a different kind of name. They're a, they're a betrayer. They're a gossip. Uh, they're unfaithful. They're a liar. They're a cheater. Is it possible that the grace that has been extended to you, being called a friend, might be extended to another person and to rename them, for them to be situated into a different category. Now I know, I know some relationships are super complicated and even dangerous. I'm not advocating that you put yourself in a position where you're open again to violence or abuse. I'm talking about those relationships that have even just the smallest glimmer of hope that they might be restored. I'm talking about those connections where a small step in renaming might open up new possibilities. I no longer call you fill in the blank. I call you friend. Final aspect that I want to highlight is this. It's the sharing of what the Father has given Jesus tells the disciples, everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus generously passes on to his friends what the father shares with him. This is part of what, Je- what it means for Jesus to call the disciples his friends. That Jesus is generous with God's generosity. Are your friendships characterized by Generosity. Is there an eagerness to pass along what God has given? This is not just limited to 
financial or material needs. It might look like lending your gifts and your talents, the things that have been given to you by God to help where another person is less able, using your skills at small engine repair or internet research or budgeting or chocolate chip banana bread. It might look like some of those things, passing along, being generous with what God has generously given you. But I can't help but wonder if the spirit of what we see in John 15 is more personal, if it's more intimate. And so I'd ask this question, what have you learned from the Father that you could share with another? Jesus says, everything that I have learned, I have, I have shared with you. What has the Father taught you? What's been given to you by the Father that you could share with another? Maybe, maybe you've read something in your Bible study that you think would be meaningful and comforting for someone else. Maybe there was an insight while you were journaling that feels very specific to somebody. Maybe you had a word picture when you were praying that you think, this is for so-and-so. What does it look like to share that part? What does it look like to take that? Maybe the gift to you is that you've been given something that you can share with another person, specifically from the Father. I think these are the kinds of, these are the kinds of places where many of us are really hesitant. We feel a kind of dis-ease, that there's a little bit of, a, of an ickiness about it. Some of us, we, we, we don't want to look super spiritual, so we're hesitant in that way. Some of us that we're really conscious, I don't want to, it doesn't want to appear like spiritual bragging. Uh, or it's just a, an uncertainty of whether, or am I sharing the right thing? I wonder, I wonder what, for every one of us, how might our friendships be so different if we were to normalize this kind of sharing? I've... I just want to say, here's two things that I've, I've received in a couple of weeks. And they're not sensational. You can see, this is, uh, this is just on a, it's called a post-it note. I couldn't remember what it was called. A post-it note and this little comment. And this has got five words on it. And this is the simplest. And these hang up in my little office space. And they're, they used to. And these are just the smallest little bits of somebody saying, I think maybe this is for you. I think the Father shared this with me, and I want to pass this along to you. And they, are, they have both deepened the connection and relationship that I have with these people, and my admiration increases, and my gratitude to God for speaking to me in so many different ways has grown. What might our friendships look like if we were generous with what God has generously given us. What might it look like to share in this way, to normalize this kind of sharing done with humility and with love? In the late 300s, St. Ambrose, uh, he was the Bishop of Milan, he said this about friendship, that friendship is acquired by a competition in generosity. That's a nice phrase, a competition in generosity. It's a phrase that echoes what I shared about from Simone Weil earlier, that 
generosity is such a key characteristic of the Trinity, this mutual, constant self-giving based in love. And when our friendships are intentionally generous, when your back and forth is a kind of competition in generosity, well, then we are reflecting what God is like. And in doing so, you and I are ever surely being made more and more into the likeness of his son, Jesus. In response, some of you today, uh, you'll be drawn to potentially a handful of things. I want to highlight just two. Some of you will be drawn to pray today. And some of you will want to pray for friendships that actually sound and look like this. Friendships that are marked by generosity. Friendships that have a consistent expression of self-denial. Friendships that are open to growth and change. Friendships that share. And then some of us will be drawn to pray differently. We'll be drawn to pray prayers of confession. Because we'll have to name that we have not been friends like this that we have been stingy, that we have withheld, that we have been more self-seeking. If you're going down some of these pathways of prayer today, I want to encourage you to pray with someone. It could be someone that you've come with. We're also going to have folks uh, over in this area along this wall and back over into this corner who are going to be eager to pray with you. Pastors and volunteers who are eager to, to be present with you to for help you encounter the presence of God through prayer. Please take advantage of those chances today. And before Kyle comes to lead us to the table, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us as we do our best to give ourselves faithfully to friendship. Uh, please join me as we pray. Loving God who calls us friend even though we imperfectly live into our end of the relationship. Increase in each and us the willingness to be generous. Give us a determination towards self-denial for the good of the other. Give us imagination for the growth of the other beyond what we know, beyond what we might prefer. Give us sensitivity to share what the Spirit prompts. Give us humility and love and make us into more faithful friends of God and faithful friends of our neighbor. Thank you for Jesus, the friend of sinners, the embracing image of the invisible God. Make us more and more like him, we pray, to your glory and for the sake of the world. And amen.